as buyers, we want low rates and low prices, right? They're just not going to happen. If we're in a low rate environment, it's going to push those prices up as we've seen over the last couple of years. But as we get into a higher rate environment, there might be some deals with a pretty attractive basis. You know, there's some deals that we'd entertain a sale on right now. Don't love the rate, but it's all the end, all it is at the end of the day is cash flow and average annualized return. I mean, that's kind of the only metrics we're really at the end of the day we care about. Can, can this thing produce any cash flow? And can we produce a good average annualized return? This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. We're back with our guest, Devin Elder. Again, today we're continuing the conversation, but I know you are wondering about those market conditions. What What is going to happen? What are we talking about here? Uh, you know, nobody knows, right? Uh, but I love hearing from guys like our guest today, uh, Devin Elder, in in. What do they expect, right? Because it does, it affects what they're doing. And you're going to hear that along with all the metrics that Devin watches and looks at every day in the business and some personal metrics that that he cares about. I loved how he could list these out. And you're going to hear that in today's segment. I want to welcome the listeners back for a third segment with our guest, Devin Elder. I'm grateful to be able to spend this time with him. Again, he's somebody I've always respected in this space. And so I love the conversations. I hope you listen to the last two segments and you know, hearing how just an entrepreneur thinks, really, I think it's just incredible being able to pivot, be creative uh, and keep the revenue going while even keeping, I think, the main thing, the main thing, right, increasing our returns for our investors and doing what's right by them. And he he definitely showed that in the last segment. And so I hope you have listened to that, even listened to the day before we highlighted a 300 unit deal they're closing right now and some of some of the mechanics of that even uh, the raise the raise of that and how that's gone uh, I know you're going to learn a lot from that but Devin I want to dive back in I get questions all the time about current market conditions right everybody wants to know especially from somebody like yourself that's very experienced about many projects uh, and and why I typically say on the show is like none of us have the crystal ball I hear that all the time right of course nobody really knows what's going to happen next month even tomorrow right <laughs> but nobody really knows however what we believe is going to happen it affects what we do right it affects what we think whether we're buying or selling as investors or whatever it may be or whether we're hunkering down in a box somewhere. <laughs> One or the other, right? It affects what we do. But I want to hear what you're, what Devin's doing, right? What are your thoughts on the marketing conditions? I know that's what the listeners want to know as well. Yeah, I love it. Thanks for having me on, Whitney. Always a pleasure. Yeah, so so much to to think about what's going on right now. A couple of kind of just philosophies, I guess, the way I look at things. Uh, you know, we're professional investors, so we don't sit on the sidelines. That's just you know, we're we're not pencils down. We're looking at deals every week. Um, now, is is stuff penciling? No, it's not. But you know, we're just looking at a lot more deals. It, a broker we work with said, you know, we we're having a conversation a couple weeks ago, and he said, you know, things are happening. It just it's ten times harder than it was. It's like you're you're punching underwater, right? It's you t- you take for granted walking around. And then you try to go do it all underwater. You can do the same moves, but whew, man, it's just harder. So just adjust into that. That's okay. You know, our grandparents might have been eating shoe leather in the depression. That's a real problem, right? Um, I don't know that we have real problems by that by that measure or or many of the measures of our ancestors. I kind of joke sometimes that you know our ancestors are looking down, just shaking their heads, going, "Oh my gosh, what a baby!" Right? And that's what that's something that I think about 
a lot in, in earnest, right? Like if we're going through problems, what did what did my ancestors go through? So putting that in perspective and understanding, hey, sometimes it is the challenges that sharpen you or push you in a new direction. That's happened to me countless times in, in, as an entrepreneur where some pain pushes me in a new direction that I wouldn't have gone in otherwise. It turned out to be a blessing. It happens all the time. So number one, you know, we're, we're professional investors. We're not on the sidelines. We're, we're always looking at deals. Um, number two, you know, a thing I say internally is that every day that goes by and goes behind us is a good thing because we started the rate hike cycle about a year and a half ago, right? Pretty abrupt 11 uh, consecutive rate hikes. And if we look at these historically, they tend to be pretty abrupt and plateau and then come down. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but we are well into it. It is not the beginning of this thing. We are well into this journey of a hiking cycle or a recession or whatever label you want to put on it. Um, a friend of mine gave a, a presentation at one of uh, our events. We have events and throughout Texas, and um, he was he's a debt broker. He's talking about the the sofer the forward sofer curve, right? Sofer curve projections over time. And they're always exaggerated, right? On what it's going to do. The projections, if you take snapshots over the years. So if you look at the sofer curve now, the projection is, you know, for it to go up, those projections historically have always been overstated up and to the right. So, you know, if that's going to be the case, all that is to say, you know, our rates going to come down for an election year 2024. I don't know. It would help our business in a lot of ways if it did, but we're we're not we're not modeling it, right? So then, what do we do to get by today? Well, um, operations on the fixed rate debt stuff. You're feeling really good about some of the some of the stuff you got locked in. Operations on variable rate stuff. You're feeling real good about those cap rates, you know, those cap or, or those rate caps rather might be worth half a million or a million dollars if you were to liquidate them right now. Uh, and and it's a good thing they're in place because the actual rate on a variable debt is is higher. So the rate caps are keeping that in place. Um, we got to figure some stuff out in the next couple of years as these rate caps uh, mature or expire. So that's been, you know, operationally and on the finance side of a couple of deals, just trying to get ahead of that, whether it's a refinance or, or a sale or um, really those are kind of kind of the options or buy another buy another rate cap. So on the variable rate stuff, creating all kind of new new challenges for the business. And then on the buy side, looking at, you know, obviously the assumptions make a lot of sense. We're looking at a deal right now where we will probably do an assumption of a rate in the fours with a supplemental that gets us a reasonable amount of leverage. And, you know, I mentioned this before, but as buyers, we want low rates and low prices, right? They're just not going to happen. If we're in a low rate environment, it's going to push those prices up as we've seen over the last couple of years. But as we get into a higher rate environment, they're not automatically going to happen, but there might be some deals with a pretty attractive basis. You know, there's some deals that we'd entertain a sale on right now. But I'm like, man, that, that's a that's a really good price per square foot or price per door um, for somebody to come in and yeah, they're going to have to stomach the debt, but man, that the basis is pretty good. And as buyers, we're, we're getting into some of those deals where don't love the rate, but it's all the end. All it is at the end of the day is cash flow and average annualized return. I mean, that's kind of the only metrics we're really at the end of the day, we care about. Can, can this thing produce any cash flow and can we produce a good average annualized return um, with reasonable degree of certainty? And so all the other variables 
you know, I mean, look, you could have 20% interest rates. And if your buy price was good enough and your cash flow was good enough, it makes sense at some point. So, right. you know, it's just, it's just playing with the inputs. And I think the net of that is it, it's, it's creating from what we've seen some good basis uh, deals that, Hey, we were praying for those a couple of years ago. My gosh, these prices are sky high. If I could just get something at a little lower price. Well, guess what? Prayers have been answered. Your interest rate prayers weren't answered. They're never going to be, you're never going to both at the same time, but we're seeing some basis on some stuff that really makes sense. And I think fundamentally in, in multifamily, you know, you've got a supply demand imbalance. If you're depending on what markets you're in, you've got positive net migration, you've got job diversity, you've got all these other kind of macro uh, economic things happening, housing shortages where like, I don't think our thesis is fundamentally changed on multifamily. It's just 3% rates. Sure. We're nice. Right. Uh, and we're not, we're not getting them. So we gotta, we gotta figure out another way to do it. So assuming debt, you're seeing a ton of that right now, right? Sponsors launching deals where, Hey, we're assuming a 4.2% interest rate, which, um, maybe wasn't exciting two years ago, but pretty exciting now. So that's right. Trying to trying to make that work, and um, interesting how the capital markets have have kind of adapted to be able to to be able to kind of facilitate that. So we'll see what um, you know how pat, bad the pain will get for operators next year. You know, will it create fire sale type situations? I don't know. Will there be a bailout? Will, 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 you know, if Jerome Powell nods his head this way towards a you know that he thought about a rate cut, is that going to send markets in, into a you know? into a frenzy. We'll, we'll see, but you know, every day we get behind us, I think is, is a good thing towards, you know, an environment where, um, I don't want to necessarily say where rates will come down. I personally can't see how we are going to afford our debt service as a nation, um, for any extended period of time. But again, I'm not going to come on anybody's podcast and say, this is what's going to happen next year with a degree of confidence, right? We're just trying to, we're trying to do the best we can with our portfolio we're operating and then new deals we're looking at without making any assumptions about huge rate cuts in the, in the future. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's well said. Uh, and yeah, I agree completely. We do. We have no idea what's really going to happen, but I, I do think that there's, I loved what you said earlier, actually. Th- things are happening. It's just 10x harder. It's like walking underwater. So so it's like there is hope. There's deals to be had. Even like this 300 unit, right, that you all are doing right now. Um, it's, uh, man, who's willing to go after it, right, and keep keep hunting uh, and keep searching or even pivot like we talked about in the last segment as well. Devin, what would you say is your your best advice for passive investors right now? Well, number one, you know, open up some kind of an E-Trade account or something like that. If you, let's say you got a million liquid, you know, put it in somewhere where it's generating some yield. I think that's kind of a no-brainer. It, we were having this conversation last night with a group of investors. A friend of mine said, hey, I got 200K. I was going to open this Bank of America account. It's paying 5%. Should I do that? And I said, absolutely. Like, this wasn't a con- this hasn't been a conversation for a decade because it was all earning nothing. Now, right. you know, your local bank may be paying you nothing on your savings, but um there's a spot that's going to pay you four, you know, four or pushing five. My E-Trade account I think's pushing 5%. So, have something like that set up. Is that going to last forever? I don't know, but you know, definitely you're liquid and you're FDIC insured up to 250, so have that. And then I think it just depends on where you are in in your investing journey. You know, if you've got some relationships 
that um, with operators and this business is so relationship based where you feel good about being in a project they have great do it and I think it's the same advice I always have for any passive investor and if you don't like a deal for any reason just don't do it like there's right. going to be so many deals with so many operators this is a game you're playing for life um, don't get any FOMO about stuff if people are using too many exclamation points in their communications with you, you know, don't do it. If your spidey sense is off, don't do it. I mean, I tell people that in our deals, you know, I, I don't know if this is the right deal. And I, if you've, if you've doubt, just don't. And then yeah. just, you, you know, you can't, yes, capital is losing purchasing power to inflation. You don't want to sit on the sidelines forever, but you know, my advice is the same now as it always was, is if it, if it doesn't feel right for any reason for you, just just don't do it. You know, your intuition is the result of a thousand data points, right? And your gut feeling is is actually, you know, your brain's got a lot going on that we're not cognizant of, and it's constantly absorbing a million data points to form that intuition, pay attention to it. So, you know, that's the same as I would say now or, or any time to an investor, but you got you got options to earn a nice four or five percent return, you know, next year does that go away? I don't know. Uh, and then, and then look at I guess the risk profile of deals that you that you are getting into, right? Um, I've heard investors on our deals say they like some of our debt stuff because there's there's not a bank to worry about, there's not a variable rate, there's not you know you're not equity sitting behind a lender. Um, even though our debt stuff pays 10, 11% versus 15, 20% projection on multifamily. Lower projected return, but different risk profile. So, you know, pay attention to the risk profile and develop those sponsor relationships. You know, so I guess if I was going to sum it up, you know, find a place to put excess cash that's paying you something, four or 5%. I mean, that's an E-Trade account. Um, We've still got full liquidity, right? I wouldn't buy CDs and stuff like that. Number two, uh, pay attention to your intuition. Never do a deal you're not, you're not fully on board with. And that's the same in any market condition. Number three, Develop those sponsor relationships and look at the risk profile of a deal you're doing and where where your money is in the capital stack. Investing is risk, right? If you're going to get a double digit return or better, there's some measure of risk. So that's that's always uh, the case. But kind of the same as us as operators. I'm not on the sidelines as an operator. I'm not on the sidelines as an investor. I do a lot of passive investing too, but I want to kind of understand the risk profile and maybe pay a little more attention to that than I have uh, in the past. Yeah, I think it's very wise. I love to just say, if you don't feel good about it, just don't do it. I mean, I just think you're doing yourself and the operator a big favor, right? Yep. Uh, get in on their next deal if you really like them, you know, or and you feel good about it. Uh, but yeah, I think it's very wise. What about, what would you say is your biggest challenge in, in your business right now? Well, um, Personally, for me, as you know, the principal CEO, I just have a lot of plates spinning right now. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm I've got I'm working a lot on a lot of different things, and that you know I, I've always been a busy guy. I run pretty high RPMs, so I kind of I, I I enjoy it. I even had my coach. I've got a, a business coach I meet with a couple times a month, and and he's like, "Look, man, you know, you're 45. You're in, you're running all this stuff. You're you're in your prime. Like, good. That's go for it." He's like, "I can tell this." lights you up running all this stuff. So embrace it, you know, because I'm always talking about sharpening the saw and taking downtime and stuff like that. And he's like, I think you're, I think you're pushing that part too hard. Embrace the work and, and get after it. So for me personally, right now, there's just a lot going on, right? We're 
I've got multiple companies. We've got multiple projects, different asset classes, things like that. So I've just got a busy, a busy day. I think that's just kind of me personally for the business. You know, I think it's on the buy side for multifamily. It's trying to figure out the debt. You know, it's like, man, how do we get, how do we get the debt working? In some cases, it's an assumption, which is pretty straightforward. Uh, other cases, you know, you're looking at new debt with high rates and and just trying to make that work. And you know, in a lot of in most of the cases, the pricing expectations haven't come down to make the debt work. You know, so we'll see what the future holds there. But that would be that would be the biggest thing is you know trying to trying to get a deal to pencil with this debt, which is not a, a shock, I don't think, to anybody. Is there a tip or anything you could share that's helped you to to manage all that time? You know, the time you know, as busy as you are and running a number of different directions, I can relate to that. You know, uh, completely. Uh, but any any lessons learned as you're sharpening that saw, like you talked about, you know, to do that better or well. Yeah, I've you know I've been such a a student of personal development and all these things really my whole life. And you know, the current thing I think in this season of my life that I'm focused on is is just trying to trying to find every every bit of advantage every everywhere that that exists in you know from the moment I wake up and so that might mean it's a lot about diet and exercise and you know just stupid stuff like hey man how, what does my week look like and am I going to make sure I'm going to line up my sleep so that I'm performing optimally because a slight edge in some of those things it is going to translate to other, to other areas. You know, another thing in kind of this busy season is just, is being, you know, immediately responsive to problems so they don't stack up. And I, I had a guy on my podcast who he's, he was a pilot and I'm a pilot as well. And he said, you know, I'm a pilot and I want to solve problems immediately. You know, if you're flying along and a light comes on, you don't go, well, that's interesting. I'll file that away for later and we'll deal with that in the Wednesday meeting. You know, it's light comes on, you deal with it immediately. And so I think that's kind of always been my approach to things is something comes up. Is this something we can solve immediately right now? And and let's just get it behind us and move on. And so that, you know, one, looking for every advantage, whether it's energy or setting up systems or simplifying your diet so you're not tired after lunch or, you know, all those things to just look for all those advantages and find excellence in all these different areas that will that will compound. Love that, uh, that thinking. You were definitely a, a whole person, right? Uh, right? So somehow people don't translate uh, something you're putting in your mouth to maybe how you perform mentally, right? Sure. You know, sure. um, so I appreciate your just bringing that to light. What about, uh, uh, what are some metrics uh, that are, say, most important to you? Could be personally or professionally. Yep. So I have a I have a dashboard um, for my company and, you know, it's a, it's a handful of cards. One of them is, and I'll just kind of I'll just kind of read them off to you. And this is something that I look at all the time. So it's deals that we have um, offers out on, and what that translates to in terms of you know equity we need and fees we're going to take in. Deals we have another card is deals we have uh, under contract, and what that translates to in terms of equity. And then we look at our investor KPI, which is you know a call with a new prospective investor, and you know we want one or two of those every single business day. So month to date. There's a gauge. How are we doing on that? And then capital raise year to date. So just tracking total capital raise year to date. And then we go down to kind of performance on the uh, just straight occupancy across the whole portfolio. I can see in one shot. Now, obviously, if something's off on occupancy, I want to dive into 
what's delinquency look like, what do work orders look like, how much cash month to date. And so I'll dive in on some of that stuff. And then I look at um, tasks for the team that are past due. So, you know, I've, pro- I've got six people reporting to me right now with all kind of manner of tasks. As long as they're getting done, not really on my radar, but if they're past due, it pops up. Transparency, the whole team sees that. My tasks pop up there too. If they're past due, nobody really wants to be on that list. So track that. Another metric uh, I have one of our accountants do is, is months of operation in the bank for my operating company. So it's just a metric of the last three months. Let's say easy numbers. Let's say it costs $100,000 a month to run one of my companies. If I have $300,000 in the bank, I have three months. So months of OPEX. And it's just a, is it one month, two months, three months, five months? What is it? And that's just, and I don't even know looking at that dashboard, how much money it is. I just know based on the trailing three, how much money do we have right now in the bank account? And what I found is just cuts through a lot of the noise because you could run reporting six ways Sunday, but how much, you know, how much do we have in there? And if we lower our operating, you know, spend, well, then that, that T3 will trend down and our, that same dollar amount will be more months of operating expenses. But I like to just see that at a glance. Um, And then I have a, our total, our total, uh, I guess you call it AUM, but total real estate owned, which is about a quarter of a billion dollars right now, $260 million. And so that's something that I track. And then, um, and then I track, uh, grants. So we have a 501c3, uh, nonprofit foundation. I track how many, you know, how much money have we given away for the year? And I kind of want to see that on the dashboard too, which to me is like a balance to the whole thing, man. We're, we're charging on, on these companies and making profit and paying investors. But as those companies grow, our ability to, um, to write grants to mostly local nonprofits grows too. So that's, that's on my card. So those are my KPIs on the, on the business, you know, um, uh, family wise, we just, try to have adventures as a family, whether it's going to play golf together, going to the beach, going to the ranch, going on vacations. Um, and I like to do two of those a month with the family, even if it's just a little getaway to, to somewhere local. And then I kind of have some health metrics work out three times a week. I have an extremely, um, strict diet, but I love it. It doesn't feel like a diet. And that's, um, that's, that's it. That's kind of the whole, the, the whole picture, but I think it's important to, to have metrics and look at them all the time. Yeah, I think it's incredible. I love it when uh, uh, when people can say, "Hey, here here are my metrics." I mean, it, it just shows that you do look at it right uh, every day. You know that that you can just list all of those off like that. Is <laughs> yeah. what, what do you, what do you uh, use for your dashboard? Is there a software? Is there a, you know what, what do you use to track? Yeah, so I we've got um you know it's funny every every software company wants to be a CRM and they're all like okay at it, but they're missing one critical thing. So we have three platforms right now. We have MailChimp for, for mail. We have Appfolio for investor relations, which which we love. And then we have um, Insightly as our CRM, which does not necessarily investor stuff quite as much, but it does all kind of automations around the podcast, around projects, around acquisitions. So Insightly is kind of our hub you know, we call it the, it's this, somebody says the CRM internally, that's, it's insightly. And then I, in a former life, I would build these things out for companies that I worked at. So I kind of just um, whipped ours into shape where I've got just a really nice high level visual component, uh, uh, a dashboard where, you know, somebody else is updating it and I can just go in, hit refresh and look at it. Um, I think there's a lot of probably software solutions for that. We just, um, 
you know, I like to keep it simple and and look at the high level stuff and be able to find it in one spot without digging into a million reports or requesting things. So that was my solution was building it out in Sightly, but or in Insightly, but that's not necessarily an endorsement. It's more, I think, about identifying what are your KPIs and identifying a system that you can reliably have someone else update um, and and just you know make sure that it's getting updated and that you've got one place to kind of go look at the look at the gauges. Love that. No, I, I get questions about software all the time as well. So um, I, I always like to ask because I know there's listeners that are wondering too. Oh yeah. Especially yeah. when you lay out something as organized as all the metrics and and how you know how to see that in a concise way every day. So uh, that's incredible. Uh, Devin, uh, how do you like to give back? Well, I started uh, the DJE Foundation in 2020. And this is a self-funded foundation that takes a portion of profits from a couple of my operating companies, not from the investments, right? If we buy an apartment complex, none of that goes. But when we sell the apartment complex and the 25% ownership comes back our way, that does come into the company. A portion of that does go to the foundation. So it's it's been set up, it's self-funded, and the goal is every quarter we you know we say hey we're going to take a portion of profits into the foundation and then the foundation really has like no overhead i mean maybe like quickbooks and that that's kind of it and the goal is just to write grants so we'll say hey you know there's a there's a local foundation um you know aid the silent that does stuff for deaf kids and i'm close with the with those folks and if we can give them 15 grand and and that that's a bunch of hearing aids for some kids in south texas that's a win. There's um, Lighthouse for Blinds, another one we just did a grant for. There's a there's an orphanage in the Philippines that a friend of mine set up. So there's just kind of personal relationships. And what one of those nonprofits told me was, hey, as I was kind of trying to find our identity around giving, because that's always been important to me, and I wanted to kind of formalize it through a foundation and grow that over time. And I was like, I don't know what our purpose is. And they said, your purpose is to go make money. You're a business guy. That's the purpose. We spend all day doing, you know, figuring out how to help these orphans in San Antonio out and we need money and you make money. So like, this is perfect. And it just took somebody kind of grabbed me by the shoulders and saying like, no, your, your purpose is to go be a businessman and go do it as well as you can. So you have more money to give us. And we're finely tuned to make a difference in this specific way. So that's what we do. We write grants. And so far that seems to be working. I'm always open to, um, you know, my hope for the foundation is I have it for the rest of my life and we continue to just get better at having impact year over year. I still think it's a baby, a baby with, a, we got a lot of room to grow, but it's, it's very intentional. It's there. It is, you know, giving money away. And I think gives me a lot of peace and joy at that as the companies grow, that piece automatically grows. Awesome. Devin, I'm grateful for you sharing that, even starting a foundation to give back in that way, being that uh, intentional, right? Uh, with giving and thinking through that. And, and I love that. Uh, obviously, I, that's incredible. But even the way you've given back to us today, right? In the last few segments, you've given a lot of your time 
even thinking through today's segment, you know, just uh, laying out the market conditions and and what you think about them. And I mean, you laid out a lot of detail, which I I think the listeners uh, I encourage you to even go back and listen to again. I thought it just laid out some really good points, even some uh, advice for passive investors right now, which I thought was really good. Uh, and even laying laying out the metrics that you kind of live by, uh, I think is helpful uh, as well. Especially you know as people are becoming entrepreneurs and, and striving to think about, hey, what should I be looking at? What's important to somebody like Devin? that's been successful and done so many deals. Uh, so it's so helpful. Uh, Devin, thank you again uh, for your time. Uh, tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you and learn more about you. Yeah, Whitney, thank you so much. I really enjoyed catching up. Um, it had been too long and and always always love to, to catch up with you. Um, website for us is the best. The company's DJE Texas uh, Management Group. So you can find us at djetexas.com. That's like Delta, Juliet, Echo, and then Texas spelled out. Got podcasts, contact us, things we're up to, all that fun stuff there. Thank you for being with us again today. I hope that you have learned a lot from the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe. I hope you're telling your friends about the Real Estate Syndication Show and how they can also build wealth in real estate. You can also go to lifebridgecapital.com and start investing today.